I love the book of Colossians. There's so much in the book of Colossians that I just love to read about and hear about. Several years ago, I was listening to a message by one of my favorite preachers, Richard Harper, and he preached a message on what else happened on the cross out of Colossians 2. And it's so true when someone is battling with their assurance of salvation, Colossians 2 says, and blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, uh, and you being dead in your sins, uncircumcision of your flesh, had to quicken together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Which means everything that you have done, all of your sins, past, present, and future, on that day was nailed to the cross, and he blotted out all of your transgressions. I also love Colossians 1.18 where if we were to go ahead and just take that one verse, it would change a lot of our day-to-day habits. If God was the, having the preeminence in our lives, we would have a much better outcome in our day. I love the book of Colossians for many reasons, but I also love the book of Colossians because it was penned by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is one of my favorite Bible characters. And if I were to take a poll in this room tonight and I asked you who would be your favorite New Testament Bible character, I almost guarantee that the outcome would be the Apostle Paul. And if we were to go ahead and think, I want to be like the Apostle Paul, I would question if you really truly mean that. The Apostle Paul would go ahead and say many things throughout his life. He would persecute Christians as Saul, and then on Damascus Road he became the Apostle Paul. And everything of that day changed for the gospel of Christ. He says in Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He was not ashamed of the gospel. We, today as Christians, are ashamed of the gospel. No matter how many times you want to admit I'm not, how many times do we hand out gospel tracts? How many times do we knock on the door? The apostle Paul was always about the gospel. Every, every book that you read, everything that you see in an apostle's life was about the gospel. He was always ready to preach the gospel. He says it in Romans that he was ready to preach the gospel, that he wanted to go to Rome. The apostle Paul will go through many uh, things throughout his life, all his trials and afflictions. I'm so thankful that the Bible does not give the prosperity gospel. Because if that was the case, the Apostle Paul had it all wrong. The Apostle Paul would go ahead and deal with uh, being left in the water, being beaten with rods, left for stone by being dead, uh, you name it. And he called it light affliction. And we as Christians today won't even hand out a gospel track. Or if someone says, no, I don't want to go to your church, we get offended. The Apostle Paul, in this book, he is penning an epistle, which is a letter, which is actually the, the epistle, Colossians, not the book. He is penning the letter in jail, in house arrest, waiting to be brought to Caesar. Several years ago, I was in Italy, and I was able to go to the Mamertine prison. And the prison there was nothing like prisons today. As I walked down those flight of steps, and I saw where the Apostle Paul would have been laid, chained to the wall, having rats biting at his feet, he wasn't getting lasagna. 
He wasn't getting chicken parmesan. He was probably getting stale old bread. He was probably just getting water. He wasn't getting the Italian cuisine of food back in that day. And the apostle Paul sang while he was in prison. He preached the gospel even in prison. So, I love the book of Colossians. I love the apostle Paul. We read in 1 Timothy 1, 13, who was Paul before was Saul, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. The apostle Paul, before he was the apostle Paul, was a person that would persecute Christians. But on the Damascus Road, he met the Lord, and the Lord changed his life. The apostle Paul would also later say in Galatians 2.20, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I wish not live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul, no matter what book you read, had a passion for the gospel. And tonight, as we see in Colossians 1, we see Paul's encouragement to the Colossians. And so I have titled this message tonight, Get my notes. I should know it since I have. Where is your walk leading you? Colossians 1, verses 9. The Bible says, For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord and unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father. I'm going to stop there because the Apostle Paul, like me, likes to have a very, very long sentence. So I'm just going to stop there because there's enough in that passage that we can go ahead and look at. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get going into it. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this uh, epistle that you have given to us. Thank you for your word that we can hold truth to it. I pray as I preach your word tonight that you would hide me behind the cross. Help me to not preach my message, but preach your message. I pray as the congregation here hears from you and not from me. And Father, help us to look at you more in a more clearer version tonight, that we walk out of here loving you more with the gospel. We do ask now your precious, holy, and wonderful name. Amen. A little bit of background about the uh, epistle of Colossians. It is considered one of four books of the antinomy of Christianity or the church. The book of Colossians gives us the overview or the head of the body, which is Christ. It was penned by the Apostle Paul in the year 61 to 63 AD. The, the Church of Colossae was a young church. It was about five years old. And it was located in the Lycus Valley, which is about uh, 1,000 miles, I believe, west. It was considered in modern-day Turkey. And this letter was not just to be read in, in the, the Church of Colossae, but also circulated all the way to the, the Church of Laodicean. We see that in Colossians 4, verses, uh, verses uh, 4, verse 16, where it says, And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also to the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from the Laodicea. 
it was penned by the Apostle Paul, but delivered from a man named Tychicus, which we see in Colossians 4, 7, 8, where it says, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know your state and comfort your hearts. The Church of Colossae is believed to be led by the pastor or a lead, uh, Epaphras, which you also see in verses 7 in, of Colossians 1. It says this, As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is your faithful minister of Christ. Epaphras, a couple things about him, he was bringing the gospel to the church of Colossae, but he was also a fellow prisoner of the Apostle Paul. We see that in Philemon chapter 1. In case you guys didn't know, there's only one chapter in Philemon. Philemon verses 23, where he says, uh, There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Paul appreciated Epaphras because through, though Paul may not have spent much time in Colossae, he appreciated the thankfulness of Epaphras and also the believers of Colossae. In the first part of this epistle, we see Paul's thankfulness and appreciation not only for the people of Colossae, but for Epaphras. Uh, Epaphras? I'm... You should ask my wife. When we read the Bible at nighttime, there are certain uh, names in the Bible where I just try and my very, very best to pronounce them, but we sometimes laugh about it and then move on. But I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from this. Paul was encouraging the believers to class it to walk worthy as to say walk in truth. And if you want to know truth, you look to the Bible. Jesus said in John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You want to know truth? Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If you, want to know the, if, you want, if you want to know how you can trust this book, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You can trust this book. Every single line upon line, priest upon precept, you can trust what it says. We see, first of all, Paul's concern to the church of Colossae. Paul was concerned about a believer's spiritual walk. Nothing wrong with physical or temporal things that you uh, obtain today, but the spiritual walk is also in prayer. We pray tonight, and we pray as a church, for a lot of things. Nothing wrong with that. We pray for the health of people. We pray for uh, if there's marital problems, if there's financial problems, if there's uh, the country, what's going on in Israel. We pray for all of these things, and there's nothing wrong with that. James 5.16 says, or James 5.14, I'm sorry, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Though not bad, if we have the mind of Paul, it changes our focus on what really matters. The problem is we have too much of the world influencing us that we can't even hear what God has to say for us. In today's world, today's society, we have what's called influencers. People that want to follow these influencers. Did you know that a, one of the top influencers of the world makes around $86,000 a year? Just to break it down, it's about $7,000 a month. Just to be someone that posts things on social media about branded items. 
I wish there was a school, a subject in school on how to be an influencer. I'm so thankful that I'm not an influencer, but a love for God. I love what I do as far as being a chef. I love making food for the college. I love being at the college, and I do not want to do anything else but that. But Paul encouraged them at the uh, Church of Colossae. It spiritually motivated him into action. He was warning them about the dangers that could creep up. If we were to go ahead and think what dangers could creep up in our lives, pride, selfishness, right? All these things that are to the world's eyes would be okay. But if we look at the Bible, the Bible talks about pride as being sin. We should be humble about our things. We should be humble about what we do. And when we pray to God, we should not only pray for the physical things and temporal things, but we should pray for spiritual matters. We should pray for one for another in spiritual matters, on someone's growth, on someone's walk with the Lord, and how they're doing spiritually, because that's what's most important. I don't want to be an influencer. I want to be someone that loves God. I don't want to be someone that makes a lot of money and does nothing for the cause of Christ. People are dying and going to hell every single day, and we, and we have the good news. We are not a false cult. We are not a false religion. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we should be like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul didn't mind who cared about him. He wanted to preach the gospel. It didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter who he came in contact with. Paul's concern for the Church of Colossae. Did you know that God is also concerned about your spiritual walk? He's concerned about what you do every single day. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. In Colossians 3.2, Paul is trying to motivate the believers in what is really important. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If the love of the, floor, the, love of the world, uh, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We should set our affections and everything about our life should be about the gospel. Everything about our life should be a spiritual growth. And if we do that, we're on our way to what the Apostle Paul is challenging the Church of Colossae. Number two, Paul's challenge. Paul challenges the believers to be filled with the knowledge of God's will for your lives. The reason why Paul cared more about the physical or temporal prayer requests and more on the spiritual is because when you know God's will and God's plan for your life, that's where the good work comes from. In your life and in my life, even as young kids, we should desire to have the will of God in our lives. When I was 24 is when I got saved. And in 2014... I surrendered my life to Christ. I didn't care what the Lord wanted me to do, but I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And at that time, I thought the Lord may be calling me into a preaching ministry. So I visited Ambassador back in 2015. 
I sat in Greek. I had a headache the rest of the day. I said, this is not for me. Okay? But a couple years later, I was playing golf. So in case you didn't know, I play golf not very well. You can ask some people that I play golf with. Uh, but I enjoy the game of golf. And I was playing golf with one of my favorite preachers. And he went ahead and asked me, he said, you used to be a chef. And I said, yes. He goes, why wouldn't you want to do it anymore? I said, well, if I got back in the industry, I would not be in church on Sundays. I would not be able to do my bus ministry that I was so lovingly doing at Capitol Baptist Church up in Delaware. I wanted to serve God. Didn't want to serve man anymore. And so I prayed, and I met Dr. Alton Beal from Ambassador the very next day. And at that time, I did not have peace about moving to North Carolina. I'm sorry. It's the truth. It took everything for the Lord to close doors in my face to realize whatever I was trying to pursue wasn't was what God wanted me to do. So I went ahead and I, I took the job that God didn't want me to have, and I was miserable. I literally told the manager one day when she saw that I was not very happy, that I hate going to bed at night. And she laughed, and she said, why? And I said, because when I wake up, I have to come here. (laughs) I was that miserable at that place of work that I just didn't care whether she said, you're fired, or I'm really sorry to hear this. It just didn't matter to me. And so later on, I started praying. I said, Lord, if you reopen the door and ambassador, I'm just going to trust you and go. Well, in July of 2017, Dr. Beal came back up to my church, and we went ahead and we talked. And two weeks later, I got the phone call. And so fast forward now, seven years later, I am doing exactly what the Lord wanted me to do. And I am loving every minute of it. But it's only because of, the, of God's will for my life. My, uh, God's will for my life isn't your will for your life. But you have to determine, even at a young age, what is the will of God for your life? It may not be a preacher. It may not be a chef. It may not be a concrete person or a construction worker. Whatever it may be, you have to decide what is God's will for your life. And that only comes when you have a daily walk with the Lord and have spiritual meaning in your prayer. It says, in all wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the knowledge and fear of the Lord, which results in hatred of sin and love of the truth. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Our whole life should be about one thing, having the fear of God and doing what he wants us to do. It is practical for holy living. 1 Peter 1.16 says, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. I am sorry, but I do not see in the Bible where it says I can be like the world and be holy. That may come across mean but I'm not trying to say mean things. I'm just trying to say what the Bible says. Be holy, for I am holy. And I'm thankful for Crossroads Baptist Church that we don't have the world's philosophies behind this pulpit. I'm thankful that we can sing songs 
about our great shepherd. I don't need 7-Eleven music songs that are shallow. All treasures of wisdom are hidden in Jesus Christ. The goal, what is the goal out of every believer? That ye might walk worthy of the Lord. Having the proper understanding of God's will and having a daily devotion in God's word will enable us to walk appropriately before him. We should live a life that isn't just a people pleaser. Though at the college, I will admit that I try to make as many of the college students happy with the few choices that they get to have. But I know very well that I can't please all of them. Someone's going to want a sandwich on a day of chicken. Someone's going to want a sandwich on a day of this. And it is completely fine. I know I can't please everybody. But we as Christians should only want to please the Lord in our daily life that we do. But understand that we can't do any of it without the Lord's help. I can't do my job at the college without the Lord's enablement. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Every day, I have to pray to the Lord and ask him to help me. I have to have him help me in everything that I do. Then Paul makes another challenge to the believers, increasing in the knowledge of God. We as Christians shouldn't be apathetic to this book. I know uh, it's been said many times behind uh, the, the college that we shouldn't treat our Bibles like a textbook. We should determine to make a daily devotional life not as a textbook. We shouldn't be apathetic to what God has for us. And if you're being influenced by what the world has to say, then you're not going to hear that still small voice. So let me ask you a couple questions. First off, are you growing? Can you see a growth spurt from the start of 2023 till now? Can you see the Lord working in your, in your lives more evidently now than it, than it did last year or even five years ago? Let me ask you this question. Do you know the will for your life? First off, are you saved tonight? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, that you would be forgiven of your sins and have a home in heaven? That is your first start. And then obviously following on with reading in, in, your, in, the, in the word of God about other things that you need to do, but not necessarily anything for your salvation. That's all paid for by, by Christ on the cross. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When we read our Bibles, we should be growing. We should be able to study our, our Bibles, not be apathetic to it, and learn and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Third and finally, Paul's comfort. Paul desires that we pray for spiritual power. The spiritual power is found in patience, long-suffering, and with joyfulness. These three qualities are a sign of Christian maturity. So when you get up tomorrow and you go to work, how is your patience? With coworkers, with people you come in contact with, 
How is your long suffering? Long suffering? It has the idea of slowness in avenging wrongs. Patience has the sense of endurance or perseverance. And lastly, joyfulness. Joyfulness is just that simple. Having joyful even through problems and also people. So if a problem comes your way, what is your attitude like towards it? If you want to be like the Apostle Paul, you rejoice. And again, I say rejoice in everything. Lastly, we should be a thankful people. A person that understands what all happened on the cross of Calvary and what we all have in Christ, there should be every one of us have a thankful heart. I mean, think about it. All of our sins are forgiven. That's one thing to be thankful for. Not to be brought up again. As far as the east is from the west, uh, so far I had to remove our transgressions from us. Uh, we have fellowship with Christ, the true God of the Bible, the God that created the whole world. He is our heavenly father. We should be thankful for that. We can pray to him at any time, day or night. We're never too far from him. We have an inheritance that is perfect in heaven. We have a mansion. I'm sorry, my Bible says mansion. It doesn't say a little room. It doesn't say anything. It says a mansion. I am looking forward to that mansion. Hopefully it's right by a golf course. I'm just kidding. But I have, I have a mansion. I'm joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Why can't we be thankful every single day? In everything that we do, we should be thankful. When you have a thankful heart, you'll have joyfulness, you'll have the peace, and you'll have the right perspective of life. As you pray tonight, Look at the list for all of the temporal and physical things. But in your day-to-day, think about the individuals that you come across and also the friends and family that you have. For them to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For your loved ones, pray for them to be saved. If you understand that there's only two places where a person goes when they die and you have lost family members, they are going to spend an eternity in hell. But we are believers that God answers prayer. And as an example, I know my dad won't mind me saying this, but my dad is an answer to prayer. You guys don't know this, but several years ago, when I first got saved, he challenged me and he told me, Don't let this church take you out of a job that you are so good at, making a lot of money. I said, Dad, it won't. It did. (laughs) But then years and years and years of praying for my dad to be saved. And then two years ago, he gets saved. It's not based off of me. It's not based off of anything that I have done. It's based off of... God and him answering prayer. We should be praying for people every single day for salvation. And not just, Lord, save this person. Mean it. 
I heard a preacher once say this, if it matters to you, it matters to God. That's pretty important. So, as you go into prayer tonight, I challenge you to pray specifically for spiritual growth in people's lives. Let's go ahead and close and we're in prayer. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and, and his boldness and proclaiming your word everywhere he went. Thank you that he, you changed his life. And I pray, Father, that as we go to prayer tonight, that we would be mindful of the spiritual needs of others around us, that we would grow closer to praying for them, not just for temporal or physical things, but also for spiritual things. I pray if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Father, that you would soften their heart to the gospel. And I pray that we would be a people of prayer on a daily basis. We do love you. We ask now your precious, holy, and wonderful name. Amen.